Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 76ers. I'm your host, Keith Pompey. Happy Monday to you. This uh, looks to be, uh, well, a defining week. It's, it's weird. It's going, we're going into the, what, the third game of the season tomorrow. The Sixers play the Orlando Magic at home at 7 p.m. And already we, we have a defining week. Uh, with the with, with the franchise, you know the Sixers looked really good the first game. In my opinion, they looked good. It was a tough loss to Oklahoma City uh, Thunder. Uh, that was Wednesday, and then Sun Saturday they come out and they play the Atlanta Hawks, and they looked horrible. I mean, they looked bad. Uh, so you know either. They're that team that we saw on Wednesday, or they're that team that we saw, or closer to the team that we saw on Saturday. And we'll have a better idea this week. Um, on on Tuesday, they play Orlando. Orlando is <laughs> record wise, they're they're the worst team in the league. They're the the Magic is zero and three, uh, and then after that, the the Sixers on on on. Wednesday, they, they traveled to the Charlotte Hornets, you know, and, and the Hornets are an, another young team. And then they play, it's going to get ugly, then they play the Cleveland Cavaliers on Saturday at home. <laughs> but I think that Tuesday and Wednesday's game is going to give us a better idea of what what we can expect with the Sixers. But there are several things that I want to talk to you all about today about the Sixers. Several observations that I have uh, uh, about the Sixers. You know, one is, and it, it doesn't take a, a, a scientist to, to say this, but uh, the first thing is, like, you know, the Sixers may struggle mightily in games that Joel Embiid doesn't play in. Uh, I mean, this guy is, it, it just seems as if that when he's not on the floor, they lose a lot. And, you know, just, can you just imagine what it's going to be like if, if he doesn't play on back-to-backs, which is a consideration? You know, secondly, second thing that I want to talk about is Nick Stauskas. You know, Nick Stauskas is more effective when he drives the lane instead, instead of settling for three-pointers. And the funny thing about that is, you know, Nick is a guy who, when he came here, you know, he was known as a knockdown three-point shooter. <clears throat> you know, the, the third thing is I want to talk to you about Robert Covington. Uh, you know, right now, Robert Covington, you know, he was 0 for 5 in Saturday's game. All five misses were threes. He didn't felt, he didn't, he failed to score a point. 
Um, a lot of people in Philadelphia are jumping off the bandwagon. Um, but I, I, I believe that he can be a pretty good player for the Sixers, but he just has to improve his shot selection. And then the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is Sergio Rodriguez. Sergio's a guy who, hey, I thought that T.J. McConnell, due to his defense, uh, would be a better starter at the point guard. Right now, Sergio has been the second best player on the team besides MB. You know, so, uh, you know, uh, like I know that he's probably when, um, when Jared Bayless, who's injured, comes back, Sergio will slide to a reserve role in due time. But, uh, you know, he is far from the problem of the Sixers in, in regards to their shooting, in regards to uh, their, their defense, everything. Now, again, he's not a, a defender, but we already know that. But he is not the problem. But getting back to MB, you know, I'm, it's going to be weird because, you know, when MB doesn't play, it's going to be weird because it's like right now he brings all the excitement. Like when MB goes to the bench uh, during his break, because by now most of you should know that, uh, um, and if not, I'll enlighten you on it, enlighten you. Um, you know, right now MB is playing on a minutes restriction. So at the most so far he's played 20 minutes. And when he's on the floor, and he's typically on the floor for, you know, four minute. Uh, clumps at a time and when he's on there there's a lot of excitement the crowds into it the Sixers are playing well um but when he goes off the floor it's like oh the crowd becomes silent um the Sixers have a hard time scoring uh it, it things just get a little uh sporadic out there it's just a bad sight to see and you know it's one of those things where I know it has to be killing head coach Brett Brown, just the thought of saying, okay, initially we said this guy isn't going to play on back-to-backs. If he doesn't play, we're probably going to lose by 40. And some of you may say that's an exaggeration, but it's not. I mean, this guy is like when he's not on the floor is a huge drop-off. Now, don't get me wrong, Rashawn Holmes is balling. I mean, he's playing – you know, he's another guy like Sergio who, who's not part of the problem. He's playing well. This guy has shot 7 for 10 in two games. However, it's just that the team loses a lot when Embiid's not there. And it's just going to be tough to see. And, and can you imagine, like, people at home, like Sixers fans, are, they're going to say, okay, okay, Embiid played last night in Detroit. And the Sixers are coming home tonight. Oh, I'm not going to the game. Uh-uh, I'm not going to the game because he's not going to play. And, and that could happen. I mean, I'm telling you, like, whenever you talk to fans and you talk to people, you know, friends, they're always saying, like, hey, man, like, I turned the game off because I knew MB wasn't coming back in. You know, it, that that's, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem for the Sixers. And you hope for the Sixers that he can get his minutes restriction up and, I mean, his, you know, his numbers up and his minute restriction so he can play longer and to help the team be a little bit more effective. 
And secondly, you you know, you, you hope for Coach Brett Brown that he'll be able to play on back-to-back nights because I'm telling you, they lose a lot when he's, when he's not in the game. Let's talk about Nick Stauskas a little bit. You know, Nick Stauskas, you know, he's a prime example of the inconsistency in the first two games. Okay, now in the first game, Nick Stauskas finished with 13 points on five for six shooting. I mean, my man had spectacular dunks, great moves. I mean, he played like he was a gangster, so to speak. I mean, my man was going hard. And he attempted one three-pointer and he missed it, right? But who cares? Like, no one cared about that because his uh, everything else he did was just, wow. Like, Nick Stauskas, you, you, you're blowing it away. After the game, you know, Brett Brown and, and, and some Nick and some of his teammates talked about, like, hey, that's the Nick Stauskas we want to see. You know, that's the guy. When he goes hard to the rim, his confidence just grows. You know, he, he becomes like a, you know, like, a, you know, someone that we're not used to, we're not known to, like his ego, like everything. You know, it, it just, everything goes up a notch. Now, if, if you don't know Nick Stauskas, he's probably the nicest laid-back guy there is. But when he gets this aggression, you know, he becomes like as like an out-of-body experience for him. The Sixers need that. Okay, so he did that the first game. The second game, he went back to being the Nick Stauskas of last year. A guy who stands near the three-point line. They pass him the open sh- uh, op- the ball for it, so he makes an open three. He made two or three threes, which was good. The problem was he missed his other four shots. So he ended up two of seven. So, you know, yeah, he made two threes. His first shot was a three. Then he missed a layup. Then he missed another three. And then, you know, right before half, he hits a three. But my man was missing jumpers. He was missing bunnies. He didn't have that aggression that he normally has. And, you know, it's just like... Whoa, I get it, buddy. We all know you can shoot from the outside. But your shooting did not help the team. Like, you know, those threes you made were nice, but you're driving the basket, you're being aggressive, you're drawing fouls, you're getting guys in crazy situations. That's what helps the Sixers. And it's funny because Nick knows it himself. I mean, he says it. He says, you know, I know I was a great shooter coming out of Michigan, but I don't consider myself a shooter. I consider myself a gamer. Like, I don't think I'm an an effective NBA player when I just stand and spot up and shoot threes like that. That's really not my game. Well, I'm glad that he pointed that out, and it just seems like he needs to follow his own advice. He's trying to, but, you know... it's just night and day on how 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 well he plays when he's attacking the basket. Now don't get me wrong, he can shoot the three. I I I get it, and and, and that's like, <clears throat> you know, that's a good uh, compliment to the other things that he has to do. But for the Sixers to win, man, he needs to drive the ball and he needs to get to the rim. He needs to get to the cup strong. But you know what? Nick Stauskas isn't the entire problem. I mean, when you look at the Sixers through two games, and I know it's only two games, but, man, they rank last in the NBA 
Now, there's 30 teams in the league. They rank last in the NBA in, 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 uh, in field goal percentage at 39%. Man, 39%. And then, I believe they rank, yeah, they rank 22nd in the league in three-point percentage at 28.6. I mean, that's not good at all. I mean, they just can't make baskets. Like we talked about Robert Covington going over 0 for 5 on, on, on Saturday. You know, Gerald Henderson went 0 for 5. Dario Sarvich went 2 for 9. And we're talking about three starters. At least Dario scored. Gerald and Robert didn't even score. So it's one of these things where you can't win games if you don't get any point production from two store, scores. And we're talking about wings. I mean, we're talking about the 2 and the 3 on a Sixers squad who wants to push pace. So, you know, they got to get it together. But then when you look at you, you, you look at the Sixers statistics and you, and you go down the line and you say to yourself, wow. So I'm just going to read out some of these field goal percentages for you. F- through two games, Robert Covington is shooting 27.3%, right? Then you have Gerald Hever- Henderson. He's doing the same. 27.3%. Jalil Okafor, 35.3%. Dario Saric, 19%. Now, we talk <coughs> about Nick Stauskas. Heck, he's one of the, the, the bright spots. He's shooting 53.8%. But then you have Hollis Thompson, another like outside shooter. He's shooting 33.3%. You know, you... you, you you can't do it. I mean, you, you're not going to be able to be competitive in games like that at all. I mean, if you're getting this type of uh, shooting from the team's quote-unquote shooters, because let's face it, you know, Covington um, and especially Hollis, I mean, you know, they're, they're supposed to be the guys who light it up. And Okafor is, you know, one of the team's, you know, top scorers, if not the top scorer. Um, so, you know, they really need to approve upon that. Now, let's talk, dissect Covington a little bit. You know, I really think that Covington can be a, a pretty good player. Now, again, I'm not saying that he's going to be an all-star or anything like that. And, and once the Sixers get good, if, if they choose to bring him back, I think that he could be a solid guy off the bench. The problem is it's just that, I think he just needs to improve his shot selection, and this isn't a knock on him or anything like that. It's just what it is, and, and he'll tell you that. I mean, this is something that the Sixers are trying to work on him with. It just seems like sometimes he takes, you know, ill-advised shots, and sometimes it just seems like he's rushing shots. But, uh, you know, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm wondering if it's because, you know, he knows that he's playing with, with Embiid, he knows that when Embiid's in the game, he gets a lot of the touches, and you know he passes the ball, but he takes Embiid takes a lot of shots too for a guy you know on his minute restriction. So it could be one of those things where like like look man, maybe I need to hurry up and fire this thing up so I can get on the in the scoring time column too. However, I just think that he needs to be a little bit more within the flow of the game. And everything will work out better for him. Now, the one guy we talked about, Sergio. 
you know, Sergio Rodriguez is doing well now. He, he's only shooting 25% from threes. But, hey, he wasn't shooting that well from threes in, in, in the preseason either. And that's not really his shot. But the point guard is shooting 50%. He, he has, he's averaging seven assists, which ranks for tied for 11th in the NBA at this particular time. Now, again, it's still early days. He only played two games. But for a guy who the Sixers looked upon as a backup and then, let's face it, in the preseason, he was being outplayed by T.J. McConnell. For him to come out and average seven assists a game and, and shooting over, uh, shooting right at 50%, um, you know, he's been the most, well, the second most productive sister on the floor, is saying a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what he's, his role will be once, once uh, Bayless comes back. Like I said earlier, I assume that he'll come off the bench. And I don't know what the Sixers think about him moving forward because he only has a one-year deal. But I'm here to tell you, like, these first two games, he's, he's proven that he can come in and once they try to get things together, that he could be, you know, kind of like, a, 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 you know, a spot duty, so to speak, uh, type of guy, a guy who can just come in and give you a couple minutes. Now, the hard part is, is like, if you have a, a, a traditional point guard, another guy who can do that, the Sixers may tend to lean towards a little bit T.J. McConnell because he, he's going to be cheaper than what Sergio will be. And also, T.J. McConnell's uh, a better defender in that role. So you could just bring T.J. in and say, hey, look, I just want you to defend. But Sergio Rodriguez has not done anything to say that he doesn't deserve to be the starter right now. I mean, he's playing well. He's, he's playing very well. Um, and like I said, tomorrow is going to be the test. We'll get to see how the Sixers do against the Orlando Magic. Because if they lose to the Magic, you know, that could be a sign that this is going to be another long, long, long season. Thank you for listening to Locked On 76ers. And I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. You are locked on 76ers. Your daily podcast on the Philadelphia 76ers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.